One of the most important ministries of Brookwood Baptist Church is our early childhood center. You're going to hear more about that in just a minute. But uh, And I know lots of churches have childhood centers as a part of them, but i tell you something I think is a little different for our church. Uh, it's under the direction of Diane Duke, but Diane Duke is in the staff meeting every week. She's the director of ECC, but that doesn't happen very often. Most churches that I know about, she's right there with us the whole time. And that says you are an integral part of Brookwood Baptist Church. She's a part of every plan that we make in those staff meetings every week, and that's important to me. A person that's on our ECC committee is Allison Wise. Uh, I first met Allison when I visited little Alice Hensley, I think maybe two days of age, something like that, straight home from the hospital. Now Alice Hensley and Joseph are both a part of the ECC. So come on, Allison, and tell us a little bit more about this important ministry. Good morning. I'm Allison Wise, and I I do have uh, young children here at Brookwood and ECC, and um, I'm really honored to stand here and talk about the ECC this morning, Um, not only to thank this amazing, amazing staff, but to share my story a little bit. It is ECC Recognition Sunday, and if it were up to me, we might do this every week because these people are an an integral part of my life. Um, Tim, you came to our house the, the same day we came home from the hospital with Alice Hensley, and then we stood up here as a family and dedicated her, and I moved my membership here. So it's kind of been a simultaneous blending of our family into Brookwood with the ECC and um, here as as church members. Um, I grew up in a small town, Union Springs. We would come here to visit my aunt in Birmingham, and she and her husband were very active here at Brookwood. And so I had visited here, and Um, My cousin got married here. I was in the wedding, so Brookwood was comfortable. Um, When we had our first child, we wanted to join somewhere. We were looking for child care. Um, It just sort of all happened, and I know that it was absolutely God's plan for us. My heart's full this morning because, as you were saying, Diane's in the meetings, and um, to me, all of you are Brookwood staff with um, Tim and Jim and, and these ladies here because we're here six days a week, and it's such a blessing. They do a wonderful job. Um, it, it's a very loving place. Um, they minister to our children, but they also take care of them. And um, my youngest is about to be two. My oldest turns four this week. And um, there are some days where I'll stop and get a hug from the ladies in the infant room who saw them as little infants. They're just part of my family. And it's an honor to stand here and say that. Um, thank you to all of you. And Um, Thank you so much for what you do. This is such a significant part of of, uh, who we are at Brookwood and what we do, and a lot of the people who really make it happen are, are sitting here among us, and so we just thought out of a word of gratitude and a word of blessing, we would offer to pr- offer a prayer uh, for the ECC. And uh, we will go right into the disciples' prayer. Some call it the Lord's Prayer, uh, but we will call it the disciples' prayer this morning. So let's have a special prayer together. 
Loving Father, we gather here to renew Brookwood's commitment to the ECC, for you have called us to raise a generation of children in the nurture and discipline of the Lord. We thank you for the teachers and administrators who commit themselves to this high act and this high task and who will bring the best of their learning to grace the minds and hearts of these young citizens of your kingdom. Grant creativity to the teachers as they engage these youthful minds and grant them patience as they guide these budding personalities toward developmental wholeness and grant them rich reward for their investment in these, your most precious of commodities. And we ask, O God, for blessings upon the children who enter and leave this place. Create a haven that they might explore freely. Create a refuge that their innocence might be preserved and protected. And indulge them with a bountiful surplus of joy, laughter, and curiosity. Help them to be brave as they are nudged gently toward the deeper end of life. And assure them that our hands are close behind as they edge forward and that you are indeed on the other side. Bless the parents of these young ones, O God. Give them patience and wisdom as they raise up their children. May we as a church assist them in any ways possible to make their journey of parenthood more fruitful, more joyful, and more rewarding. Keep us not too far from our own childhood, O God, for therein is where we find the kingdom. Remind us that there will be no grown-ups in heaven, only those who reflect a child's zest for that kingdom. Mature us toward a faith that remains young at heart. Remind us to say thank you before our meals. Remind us to say our prayers before we slumber. Remind us to be kind to our neighbors. And open our ears and widen our eyes as you regale us with the stories of old. That in the end, we, your children, might find ourselves in the story that is yours. Nurture us, O God, toward that blessed end. We pray these things in the name of your own Son, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you are visiting with us today and did not bring your Bible, you have uh, blue books in the pews in front of you. Please turn to page 770 where you'll find our scripture reading. And while you're doing that, as a father of the ECC, I just want to thank these beautiful people that sit here and tell them thank you for putting up with Addie and Luke on a daily basis. <laughs> Welcome and come back and visit anytime. We're going to look at John chapter 21, verses 18 through 25 today. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? 
Jesus answered, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have had room for the books that would be written. This is the word of our Lord. If you've got it, pull out your uh, order of worship. I want you to look at the worship destination that Keith uh, put down for us today. It's right under where it says the worship of God. And speaking of McLeods, Emily, thank you so much for helping us this morning with worship. Your beautiful voice and leadership, so grateful for that. Do you see where it says worship destination? Because this really is where we've been going as far as even singing that song of praise, I fix my eyes on you. I want you to read with me what our worship destination is this morning, because I think that encapsulates it so well. Read with me. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's calling. That was awful. We're going to do it again. (laughs) Let's do it a couple of times. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's calling. One more time. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's calling. Recently, when I was wanting to feel sophisticated and intellectual, I got on a line and read from the London Times. I do that when I want to really feel global and everything. And I read the beginning of an article that really led to another subject matter, but I appreciated the introduction based on something that happened some time ago. It said this, years ago in Manchester, England, there lived a factory worker who had a very responsible job. The whistle that marked the beginning and end of the workday was operated by a clock, and it was his job to be sure that the clock was accurate. So every day on his way to work, he stopped by the window of a clock shop. In the window was a very expensive clock, and he set his watch by it. Then he set the factory whistle clock by his watch. The owner began to notice him stopping by the window every day on his way to work and asked him about it. He explained that he set the factory clock by that fine clock in the window so that the factory whistle would blow on time. At which point the owner of the store laughed out loud and replied, All this time I've been setting this clock by your factory whistle. I thought that was great. They were setting their clocks by each other. Sometimes you and I fall into that trap as well, especially when we want to compare ourselves to one another. As a result, we measure our lives by the lives of others and our calling with the calling of others, our destiny with the destiny of others. And that's really what Peter does in our story here. But but, but first, I want to ask you to do this. Close your eyes for just a second. And I want you to think about someone whom you have struggled with because you compare yourself to that person. Who is that person? And why is it that person? And what emotions do you recall having as a part of that comparison, that kind of pattern you run into as you compare yourself with that person or that type of person? You can probably even conjure those feelings right now. Okay, now open your eyes. What makes us do this? We're really coveting something that someone else has. We want certain aspects of their lives and our own lives. And so we compare ourselves to them. And think about that. This pattern of comparison is as old as Cain and Abel, as old as Sarah and Hagar, Joseph and his brothers, Saul and David. It goes on down. The elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. And in our case this morning, Peter. 
who winds up comparing himself with John. Now, you know toward the end of John chapter 21, and we talked about this recently, where Jesus publicly restores Peter, and he says three times, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, feed my sheep. That, that happens three times. And then Jesus says, follow me, Peter, but it's interesting what he says. Let me just read it. Verse 18 in chapter 21, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Stretch out your hands. He's talking about what's eventually going to happen to Peter, which was what? Even the early church historian Eusebius in 305 AD talks about it, that Peter was crucified, but crucified how? Upside down. And and John confirms this in the next verse. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Now, did Peter understand fully what Jesus was getting at there? Probably not. Like, what is the nature of this death? You know, am am I going to be crucified upside down? But at the least, he realized that he was going to go through some sacrifice, go through some pain. Now, 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 notice what Jesus doesn't say, because Jesus is wanting him to be grounded and focused at this point. Jesus could have said, Peter, you're going to wind up preaching the first sermon of the church right after Pentecost, and hundreds of people will hear it, and they will be pierced to the heart, and they will become followers of me because of your powerful preaching. He didn't say, Peter, you're going to be able to put hands on people and heal them. You're going to witness awesome miracles, Peter. You know what? You're going to write a couple of letters, and they're going to wind up in Holy Scripture and be read by billions of people over the course of 2,000 years. And yes, you will be martyred, but you will be remembered as one of the great leaders of the church of all time. You will help literally change history. Now, he could have said all of that, but Jesus realized that Peter needed to hear this, that Peter, it's not always going to be easy. And you need to be grounded. You need to be focused. You need to follow me. We need to, as we sang a moment ago, Fix your eyes on me. Now, does Peter get all of this? I think to some degree he does. But then he unfortunately loses his focus. Look at verses 20 and 21. Right after Jesus says, follow me, Peter turned and saw that the disciples whom Jesus loved, who is that? John. Peter saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? What about him? To which Jesus basically replies, what about him? You go to verse 22. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must, and he says again, follow me. Now, Peter just received this amazing commission and call from Jesus, but in the next moment, he's comparing his calling and his destiny with John. Really what he's doing is taking his eyes off of Jesus. He's no longer fixing his eyes on Jesus, and he's looking around at someone else. And so for a second time, he kind of, well, do you remember when he took his eyes off of Jesus before? To be fair, he was the one who was daring enough to get out of the boat and begin walking on water toward Jesus. And as long as he was fixed on Jesus, he was fine. But then he looked around at the wind and everything else going on other than Jesus. And what happened to him? Do you remember? He began to what? Sink. And your faith and your witness and your effectiveness sinks whenever you start to compare your life, your future, your calling, your destiny, your everything with other people. And what Scripture is saying is stop comparing yourself to others and let God use in you what He gave to you and follow your path, follow your future, follow your 
calling. I love the way that it's put in Galatians 6, 4, and 5. Listen to this. This is from the message paraphrase, and I don't always read from it, but this just captures it beautifully. Listen to what Paul says. I'm probably going to read it twice. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your life. I want to read that one more time, because he's saying sink into that, lest you sink in another way. Make a careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Focus on your destiny, your path. I know that you you could probably, a lot of you quote this with me, but do we really take it to heart and understand it, comprehend it, and follow it fully? What is it? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which is what? Trust in the Lord. I want you to say it with me if you learned it the, the old style way. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct, he will direct what? Your path. Your path. No one else's, yours. And I think most of the time we mean well. And, and we're, we're leaning into God and trusting he's going to direct us, but do we trust that he's going to direct our paths to the point to where we don't worry about other people's paths? Your path is your own, and claim it and walk that one, and don't worry about anybody else's. Don't start trying to walk down somebody else's path. And if you really are in the, in the sweet spot, the pocket of God's will and God's guidance, trust me, the grass is not greener on any other path you could take. No matter how you might be tempted to compare yourself with someone else or where they're going, what talents they have, that does not matter. Focus on your path. And fortunately, Peter did stay focused on Jesus. And yes, he preached the first powerful sermon of the church. And he healed people. He did incredible things. He wrote letters that wound up in Holy Scripture. He took a stand against the Roman Empire. Ultimately, was martyred because of his faith and made an incredible difference. He focused and stayed on his path, and that's what we're called to do. And the cool thing is when we really do that and focus on our own path, and we all do that together, we become an incredible tribe, an incredible army for God doing incredible things. It's been an incredible week, hasn't it? I mean, especially with the Boston bombings and all that transpired with that. And and I would encourage you to read a blog entry by our own Ann Womack, who's a member here. She wrote a wonderful piece about it on her blog spot, and I I can link it for you later on. But she talked about runners and what it means to be a runner and, and, you know, running 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons, whatever it might be. But she talked about that whole culture of runners and how encouraging they are of one another. You know, unless it's like an Olympic, you know, uh, a contest or something, people are always encouraging one another verbally, helping each other up. Somebody stumbles down on the ground, they'll help them up. It's just a wonderful culture. And all of that sense of selflessness just ratcheted up all the more after those two bombs went off in Boston. And you know what I'm talking about, because some of the runners just kept right on running. And what did they want? Some of them ran to the hospitals to do what? Did you hear? To give blood, to donate blood. Some of them ran around helping families that had gotten separated from one another to be reunited because of all the chaos. Some of them went directly to help those who were injured. Again, they just took it all up to a higher level. And that's what we're called to be doing. Do you think while, you know, after those bombs went off, were they worried about who's running faster? 
You know, is their time better than this person's over here? You know, do they know the way to the finish line? Did any of that stuff matter at that point? No, they were focused on running to where the needs were because of this chaos that ensued and serving others. And I thought it was beautiful the way, you know, the branches of law enforcement worked together to, to capture that second terrorist and they had him pinned in. Do you think people were really, really worried about who's going to get to him first? Which one of us is going to get all the glory? All that kind of thing. No, they cheered one another on, the, 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 the law enforcement officials did. And then it was great. Did you see the, the footage of them driving out whenever a car would go by? The people would just cheer them. It was just, it was just beautiful. And cheering one another on. They were focused on what their calling was at that point of crisis. Do we really believe that we live in a world that is in crisis? Do we believe that we live in a world that is on fire and in a place of darkness? And we, do we really believe that what we hold is the light? And if we really do believe that, are we focused on that? Or are we too busy worrying about this person or that person? What about her? What about him? And God is saying, focus on what your calling is for me. That is what matters, especially in this world that is full of chaos and horror and will continue to be. And it is up to you to get out there and bring the light to others. I, I love the other night. Um, were any of y'all at the celebration with Truvine Church the other night? That was just so cool. It was a wonderful, wonderful celebration where, you know, it really does feel like one church. So it was really cool to go to uh, Truvine Church in Inglenook and, and, and just celebrate with them. And really the main reason we were there was to cheer on. And, and recognize these, I think it was four gentlemen, Tim, was it four gentlemen who have worked their way through that discipling process, uh, some of them overcoming uh, crack cocaine addiction and alcoholism and other afflictions that they had had, and as Pastor Ralph w- was, was preaching about, you know, helping, the, he was preaching on Lazarus, and it was quite a, quite a sermon, he was kind of talking about his own life. For those of you who don't know, Ralph was, was uh, strung out on heroin for 25 years, and God just did an amazing thing with his life. And now, as a pastor, he just literally helps pull people out of deep, dark places, deep, dark caves where they're struggling with addictions and all. And, and we got to recognize these four gentlemen for whom, you know, getting to the place where they are now was just a mammoth task. But God worked in and through them. And there were so many people involved, Pastor Ralph and Kathleen and other people who helped bring them along. And just amazing at how they were able to do that. And, and I remember just sitting around. And here we all were sitting there. And he called Tim and I up to do our dancing with him and, you know, fake moonwalks. And we looked like a lame version of the Blues Brothers. It was really, really sad. Uh, we were up there dancing and everything. It was great. But uh, uh, it was just so cool to sit around and watch. And, and, and there was not any kind of sense of, uh, you know, yeah, you know, we're from this side of, of the mountain. We're over the mountain over here, you know. Uh, we look this way, you look that way. You know, this is what's in our checkbook. This is what's in your checkbook. You know, this is how we're different. There was none of that. It was one, and it was beautiful, and it was just celebration. It was all focused on how God can work with people who themselves are in crisis and work amazing things. And that's what it was all about. And it was just beautiful. And at one point, Ralph g- gave thanks for Brookwood, which was just amazing. And the Truvine people stood up, and I thought, we, we really don't deserve this. They sat down, and I remember something Ralph said that might have been insignificant to other people, but he said, you know, you can't do what I do, but you can help. You can help in other ways. And I know me. I don't have the capacity, you know, to help people emerge out of drug addiction the way Ralph knows how to do that. And he is just gifted to do that. But is there not other small ways that I can help, that we can help? And I so appreciated that. I mean, that's one of his incredible gifts. 
I don't have that incredible gift. What, what can I do? You know, and, and again, we're not comparing ourselves to one another. We're focusing on what we can do because we're running that race together. And, and, and Peter celebrates that shared destiny we have. If you read one of those two letters he wrote that got into Scripture, you look at 1 Peter chapter 1, he basically uses the first 12 verses to say, man, you're going to face persecution and hardship if you're a Christian. There it is. That's kind of what Jesus was saying to Peter. Hey, you're going to witness some amazing things, but, but understand, there's going to be sacrifice and pain involved. And Peter says that to us in 1 Peter chapter 1. But then you get over to uh, verse 13 in 1 Peter 1. And I just love what he says because he's been saying, you know, basically you're going to go through persecution and, and that's okay because it's really like you're being like gold refined by fire. But then he offers these wonderful words here in verse 13. He says, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober. He's saying, okay, be grounded now. You're going you're gonna to face all this suffering. And then verse 13, therefore with minds that are alert because of what I just told you and fully sober because of what I just told you, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. That's really what Emily sang about just a moment ago so beautifully. Again, fixing our eyes on him. We sang about that a moment ago. I fix my eyes on you. Hebrews 12. Do we do that? And do we focus on him and highlight him in our lives and in the lives of others as we should? Now, it was fun watching Ralph Garth get up there. And, man, he preached. He basically talked about the raising of Lazarus and Lazarus coming out of the cave and, 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 and let, you know, people helping Lazarus be unbind and let go. And he talked about that's what people did for me in my life as a heroin addict. And that's what he can do for you, too. It was just beautiful. And he just helped highlight Jesus in an amazing way, gave our focus on that. I found another way that somebody else does that. This We've got Steve Harvey. Do you know who Steve Harvey is? He's a talk show host and author and all this. But he does this at the end of a Kings of Comedy concert. And I just, if I could introduce Jesus this way, I wish I could. But he does it so well. And he just highlights him, focuses on him in a beautiful way. I just think this is a really worthy introduction of Jesus. So I wanted you to see it. If I had the pleasure of bringing out Christ, this is just how I would do it. It ain't got to be the way you do it. You might not think it's just right, but this is how I would do it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hails out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into wine, no 
special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the Rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet. Put your hands together and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. Really, the kids are leading this more. Kids up here are like, yeah, that deserves applause right there. Man, I watched that, and I feel like I'm at True Vine last Friday night with Pastor Ralph. That's what Pastor Ralph did uh, Friday night. But I show that not just to entertain, but, but just the, the pure focus on him. That is what we are called to be about. And I think the only way we could really fix ourselves on him is when we just, just drop and burn away these concerns about other people and stop comparing ourselves to one another comparing our destinies, our futures, whatever it might be, and focus on how God has planted gifts in you to use for him and his glory and proceed. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes. And I want you to do this in, in silent prayer just in a moment of meditation and confession. Just, just confess to God how you might be comparing yourself to someone or, or some situation, some uh, type of person, whatever it might be. Just confess to God how you're comparing yourselves to that person. And ask God once again just to help you realize how blessed you are to have this path that he has offered to you, this race that he wants you to run. Just do that in silence if you would. Commit yourself to your walk, your particular destiny with Christ. Lord, we thank you so much for your grace that you shower upon us and we confess to you that sometimes we fall short because we, we don't embrace it with full gratitude and we begin to look around and, and, and begin to sink because we begin to wonder why we don't have this or that, why we're not like this person or that person. We start wondering what their future holds in comparison to ours, Lord, but help us to walk our journey with you. And Lord, thank you for the blessing of this very life and this journey that you offer to us each and every day. Thank you that you just gave us the breath of life this morning and that we are here together for another wonderful day just to savor and relish this day that you've gotten for us. So help us to run this race today, keeping our eyes fixed on you, that together if we would do that, we could do incredible things as your church. That is us at our best that a dark world might see the light. So may we commit ourselves all the new to you in running the race that you would have us run. Some of you here might need some prayer about something in particular, and, and I want to give you just a moment to confess anything, any burden, any struggle, any worry, any stressor you might have. Just take a moment and in silence confess whatever it is you just need, need to lift off of yourself and, and place at the feet of Christ that you might walk in fuller surpassing peace with him.
Lord, we place our fears and our frustrations and our disappointments, our failures, our dashed dreams, whatever they might be, at your feet, Lord. And we do that not simply just to feel better for ourselves, but to focus more on you and and the calling that you have for us. And may we reignite a passion for that offering of a race, for that offering of a pathway that you offer to us. And help us to run it with gusto. Help us to run it in a way that truly reflects you and your glory and offers you glory and praise. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Allison had one more thing she wanted to say on behalf of ECC. Come on up, Allison. Hi, this is a little strange. I was nervous to get up here the first time around, and now I'm back. But um, uh, something that I shared with a, a small women's group that I'm in this week and something that, as I listen to the sermon this morning, just kind of was eating at me. I wanted to share. Um, Brookwood is so great at missions and, and traveling different places to, to build churches and um, share the gospel. And I know that my parents were visiting here once and listened to the message. And my mom said to me afterwards over lunch, um, you know, I, I know that you may hear a lot about going abroad and all these things to do for Christ. And I want you to know that I'm proud of you because what you're doing for Christ is raising this family for Christ. And that made me feel really good. And as I listened this morning about um, comparing yourself to other people and what you can do, I guess I just want to share with you those words because I know that in my life, I'm doing what God wants me to do. And, and when I really think about this staff and I'm doing it with only two children, and some of you may have more, but they're doing it with hundreds, and it, it just really is amazing. So um, thanks for letting me get back up here again because it truly is an honor, but uh, thank you. Well, let's thank the ECC staff again. They're just amazing. Thank you, Allison. Miss, Miss Diane taught my daughter, who's now a junior in college, when Diane was 12 years old, <laughs> and my son, who's a senior uh, in high school now. I mean, th- this is ongoing, long-going, and they do incredible work. So it really is our honor, you know, to recognize you guys this day. I mean, you're, you're, you're one with us, just as we were talking about True Vine earlier. You know, it's our honor. It's our honor to go places far, but then to realize just this gift that we have close by, uh, to have people ministering to our kids and kids in this area. We're just really grateful for y'all. Let's bow our heads for the benediction. Depart now in the fellowship of God the Father, and as you go, remember that by the goodness of God you were born into this world, and by the grace of God you have been kept all the day long, even until this very hour. And by the love of God fully revealed in the face of Jesus, you have been redeemed, and you are being redeemed, redeemed on a path that is all your own. So walk that fully for him. Amen.